0: You're listening to Talk Birth to Me, the podcast. I'm your host, Kelby Propp, and I'm creating a space to talk about infertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and motherhood. Tune in to hear guest interviews and real life experiences from real moms. Before we talk to Michelle today, I do want to put a trigger warning on this episode. We do talk about a miscarriage that involves an ectopic pregnancy um so feel free to listen to this or if you're not at a good spot to do so go ahead and skip this episode and then come back to it and listen when you're ready for that Um, i just wanted to give the heads up and we will get talking to michelle welcome back to today's episode i'm so excited i'm going to be talking to michelle and we are going to be talking about um her miscarriage and then go into her pregnancy and then her birth story um if you want to go ahead and kind of introduce yourself my name
1: And uh, I have my wonderful rainbow baby, Micah. He's going to be one on Friday. So this is a perfect time to share his birth story with everyone. Be one on Friday. So this is a perfect time to share his birth story with everyone.
0: Perfect. All right. Well, do you want to kind of jump into your first pregnancy? Sure. Uh, So my husband and I were trying to conceive and we did get
1: pregnant and, um, It was pretty early on. I started having bleeding, which can be normal sometimes. Uh, And then, so we, but we went to the emergency room, like they say to do, just to check. And they thought they saw something, but it was so early on. They thought they saw maybe it was ectopic. They weren't sure. They didn't really look a lot into it. And the OB that I had uh, chosen kind of dismissed it and said, like, oh, I hate when the ER. Says that when they do that, like we'll just wait. And I was like, Well, can we get another ultrasound? Can we check and see what's going on? And a lot of times, uh, they always want to wait like till eight or ten weeks or way further along. And so nobody really checked on me again. And she didn't want to do the ultrasound till I was further along. So I just went home and uh, kind of had a feeling like that that the pregnancy wasn't going to result in a baby. And, um, then it's kind of fuzzy. Uh, but later on I started having, you know, they said if it is ectopic, if you start having one sided pain or anything, definitely come back immediately to the ER. And so it wasn't much longer after that, maybe a week or two. And, uh, Unfortunately, my husband was out of town for work and we only had the one car at the time and it was pretty late at night and I started having very severe one-sided pain when I was laying in bed and I couldn't even move. I couldn't even get up and I was like, we live on the third story. And I was just thinking like, oh my God, how am I even going to get down the stairs? How am I even going to get to the emergency room? Should I call an ambulance? That's going to be so expensive. I don't even know that I can physically, somebody's going to have to carry me down the stairs. To be very honest with you, I literally thought that I was dying. Like that's how much the pain hurt so bad that I was like, I could die like and i have a pretty high pain tolerance i mean i did end up having my natural birth with my baby so i do have a high pain tolerance and that is physically and emotionally the most painful thing um, i've ever been to uh eventually my sister-in-law she has three kids of her own and it was late at night so she had to get somebody to watch them and then she came and got me and by the time she came the pain had sort of subsided so I was able to get down the stairs and go to the emergency room and they checked. And, um, at this point, I think they, it was, uh, like, I guess cause the sac had grown and it was a lot larger, they could see it better. So then they were more sure that it was ectopic. And then, um, because my husband was out of town, I had to wait for him to get there. I didn't want to make any decisions without him. And then all of a sudden it was like this urgent thing. Now it was like, okay, we have to make a decision right now. And by this time it's like, you know, into the AMs of the morning and I haven't slept and I've been in pain. And I'm just like, I can't make a decision right now. And they are like, you need to make a decision. You really only have two options. Like this is very serious. We have to do something. And I was like, okay, well we'll just wait till my husband gets here. And we decided that we were still gonna, we wanted to go home and sleep and wait. And I, just because of my personal convictions, I wanted to, um, get another ultrasound to make sure that there was no heartbeat and, um, that the baby had already passed. And of course they don't call it the baby, but with my beliefs, I believe in baby at conception. Um, So I just wanted to make sure, although I know it's not a viable pregnancy, they're not able to move it to the uterus, but uh, we just wanted to go home. We just needed a minute, you
0: know. Yeah, I just need some time to process.
1: Yes, so we processed and then then the OB was finally uh, ready to see me and she finally, consented to doing that other ultrasound that I wanted to make sure of what was going on. And there was no heartbeat, there was no fetal pole, And so um, it's still, you know, as a first pregnancy, it's still hard to, you know, you know make a decision like that, because ultimately, she was very, almost It was scary she was like yelling at me she was like you have to make a decision right now and she was about to go to a birth and so she was like you either get the methotrexate shot or we do we go in there and do surgery and remove your ovary and your tube because it could burst so you have two options those are your only options like you know i had already had it was already rupturing so i was already having internal bleeding two times because it was an ectopic pregnancy the first time I went to the ER and then the second time and they saw, you know, blood in there and stuff. And so it was very, a very serious situation. It was just very hard to process and wrap wrap my head around. And so um, I I just asked her to step out of the room for a minute and talked with my husband and uh, we had peace about obviously uh, taking the methotrexate shot. Um, because we didn't want to lose an ovary in a tube for no reason, which yeah. I told that that they get the shot and it still ruptures and they still lose, you know, that side. But fortunately that didn't happen to us. But so then she admitted me to the ER and it's a long process to wait for that shot because it's like the chemo drug. And so it has to go through a lot of people. And one of the worst parts of this experience, other than the whole thing, was that, um, they put me in the uh, the postpartum ward of the hospital. There was no, yes, uh. there were no other beds, so they put me in there with all the moms and all the baby, and you could like hear the babies crying. And I'm like laying, and I'm like, this uh. is like earth. I'm like, my husband is like, do you normally send women here for this kind of a thing? And they were like no you know we just we didn't have any other beds available this was all that we had and i was just like oh my god this is the worst thing i'm
0: so sorry that that is awful
1: it's pretty bad and um so it took several hours through the night to get the to finally get the shot and, and in in the field that that they just really were, I guess it's so normal or, you know, maybe they don't believe it's a baby yet, but they were just really cold hearted about it. But fortunately, the lady who um, administered my shot to me, she just said, I'm so sorry, or I'm so sorry for your loss or something like that. And that really meant the world to me that she at least acknowledged what was going on whenever. Everybody else, it was just such a you know every day like okay come here do this sit down blah blah blah. Um, so then after and it and that it didn't end there because since you know it had grown so big, I still I had pain off and on maybe for two months until. And, and for the first couple of weeks after that, it was still so severe that I couldn't move. Like if it happened while I was driving or in the car, I'd have to pull over and I'd have to wait. And my husband would have to come downstairs and help me to get me up the stairs because they had let it go so many weeks. I think I went to eight or 10 weeks or something like that. And, um, so it was still a recovery process, even after getting the shot that was physical pain. And they had given me some um, medicine to help with the pain, which I normally, like I had put it aside and not taken it, but it was just, it was just so bad that I had to, and it helped a little bit. But then I guess it was a few months after that. And they say, you can try to conceive again, I guess, you know, one complete cycle or different doctors are different, two cycles or something. And, um, but emotionally, you know, physically there was still recovery and then emotionally, it was still hard. And, you know, my husband took it hard in his own way and kind of shut off from me. And it's just, it, it's just a difficult thing that you never want to have to go through. Definitely not ever again, hopefully. Um, but then I remember we were on a walk and I asked him if he was ready to try again, like if we could try again and maybe get pregnant this time. And, uh, He said, yeah, he thought he was ready. And so uh, to me, it was a miracle that the very first time that we tried with having, you know, track the cycles and the ovulation and stuff, the first time we were like, okay, we're ready to try again. Because with the last one, we had not been preventing for over a year and it took that long just to conceive then. And so, um, this next time it happened right away and, I think we were both a little shocked because we expected it could maybe take another year. Um, it was a little bit shocking that we were like, Oh, that was pretty fast. And obviously all of the anxiety and concerns that come along, is this one going to work out? Is it going to be like last time? Is it going to be a topic again? Are we going to have to go through all that? And so, um, I got in at the doctor and then I guess they consider you high risk after a miscarriage for a little while until they make sure. And I kind of, almost begged the lady at my first appointment, I went to an OB again, a different OB for sure. Not the same lady. Yeah. I'm done with. Um, but I, uh, I was like, is there any way, like how soon can you get me in for an ultrasound? I just really want to make sure that this is not a topic again. You know, I'm really concerned and I had a very bad experience last time. And she was like, well, uh I think I can squeeze you in right now. Like let's go back there real quick. And I was like, "Thank God. Thank you so much. Thank you so much." I felt bad cuz my husband wasn't there. He was at work uh, for the first ultrasound. Uh, but um so we went back there and she checked on everything and the baby was in the uterus and I just was like in shock and leaping for joy and I was so thankful and crying. And then, uh, I guess somehow she could tell on her machine. So my ectopic pregnancy was on the right side and (laughs) to tell, uh, on the ultrasound that this baby was also conceived from the right side. It was the same side. And so I was like, it was even more of a miracle to me. Maybe that side was blocked or it was flawed. And um, so I was just so thankful and like, ah, he's definitely my miracle rainbow baby for sure. I love to tell the story. And
0: absolutely.
1: So I was so thankful that the baby was in the uterus, but obviously I was still concerned. And they say, you know, you can still have a miscarriage up to 20 weeks, which is half of your pregnancy, you know. But we went ahead in faith and told everybody that we were pregnant because we, wanted to share the joy of this baby as well. And um, so at the beginning of this pregnancy, we were going to the OB a little bit because we were trying to make sure that I wasn't going to be high risk. And uh, I had some other small complications with my uterus from previous surgery. So, or my cervix. And so we were just trying to make sure that everything was okay. And I had always... Wanted to have a water birth, um, and when I was searching out new OBs after the last one, I just wasn't feeling really confident in anyone that I was choosing. And I had seen a few things for midwives on there. There's not a lot around, you know. And um, started talking to my husband about it, and he, at, at first, I feel like this happens to a lot of husbands and people in general when they're not familiar with that. You have options. You don't have to have typical hospital birth that they lay out for you you have Mm -hmm. options what you want to do you can have a natural birth in a hospital you can use a midwife you can birth at home but people aren't familiar with that um so i started talking to my husband and he was like pretty opposed to it at first but he said that i could go check out the birth center And so I did and I fell in love and I really felt like that's where I was going to birth in that tub right there at the birth center. (laughs) Uh, We live in an apartment, so our walls are pretty thin. I didn't feel like I I didn't want to give birth in our apartment. It's not anything sentimental to me anyway.
0: Yeah. So, um,
1: So for the first part of the pregnancy, we went back and we were seeing the OB and talking to the midwives and I was showing documentaries to my husband and educating him and trying to convince him that this is what I wanted and that this was what was best for baby and for me. And, um, then eventually he came around to the idea and he said that that was fine that we could do the birth center. And so, um, from then on out, I felt like he was pretty on board and we went to, um, a Bradley class. We took a Bradley method class and, uh, at the, we went to the 20 week ultrasound and we found out the gender at that and everything was fine. The pregnancy was fairly easy. Uh, I didn't have any nausea first and second trimester were golden. There was really no problems other than in my head. I was just Mm so pretty much up until that 20 week ultrasound or up until before every ultrasound, it was like, I was like, you know, is there going to be a heartbeat this time? Is there going to be something wrong? Like just waiting for that ball to drop for something to happen. Um, But uh, then come the third trimester, I started having terrible Braxton Hicks, like right at the beginning of it. And I had them every day, all day long, for the entire third trimester. So that was not super fun, but I was like, well, maybe my uterus will be super strong for the birth and we'll just like push this baby out real quick. (laughs) That didn't exactly happen either, but, um, so, uh, we went with the midwives and all the funding was there. We paid for it out of pocket. That was awesome. It was provided. Um, did
0: they provide you with a doula?
1: They did not, but also Really? Honestly, I don't know what your beliefs are, but this whole thing was a God thing. It was all orchestrated by him. Uh, I really wanted a doula, and my friend recommended a lady who it's kind of her ministry, and she just lets you do a donation-based doula thing, and I really wanted one, but I knew we couldn't afford one after paying for the birth out of the pocket. is over $5,000, and I my job to be a stay-at-home mom, so I didn't have insurance anymore to reimburse us, and we found this doula, and she just let you... Pay what you could. So thankfully, I had a doula because I we didn't have any family or anything there. We had the midwives, the doula, my husband, and a very close friend to do um, photos, and that was it. I knew that I wasn't going to want a whole, you know. My husband is one of twelve children, and so it's like we're not having a family
0: event. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to be on stage while you give birth. No, too stressful. <laughs> um, they did say that
1: I had a lot of fluid uh, like amniotic fluid and I guess they said I was eating too many carbs or they they thought I was eating too much sugar but I didn't really crave sweets I was craving salty and sour and so then they were saying well carbs turn to sugar and then the the um the doctor who did the 20 week ultrasound he's like a specialist he basically put me on a keto diet While I was pregnant, like to, you know, to eliminate the carbs or whatever. And that was not fun at all. And I did that for a while till the fluid, because he scared me too. He was like, you know, it's like basically like a water balloon and you fill it with water. And guess what happens when you fill that water balloon too much? And I was like, what? He's like, it pops. And I was like, okay, that's really not something that you needed to tell me. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. That, all right. But so there was that little bit of complication, but. Um, I, I, I did, there was another little complication at the end. You reminded me. Um, so it was getting pretty close to my due date. My due date was October 24th. Uh, we knew he was probably going to come a little bit before just because of all the, uh, Braxton Hicks and that's just what we felt. And, uh, so I went to my, do you want out baby? I went to my uh, meeting with the midwives, and you know, you can either accept or decline them to check to see if you're dilated or effaced or whatever. And I had heard, you know, you need to decline those; don't we'll do those; they're not necessary. But I was just getting excited and getting anxious. And I was like, well, I don't see what it could hurt just to check once. And so she went in there to kind of check and see what was going on. And I was effaced already. And then I started bleeding and having like blood clots when she checked. And then. I was like very upset with myself and beating myself up. And I was like, I shouldn't have let her do that. I should have known better. So then they wanted me to go to an OB. They sent me to their preferred hospital and they wanted me to get checked and make sure everything was okay. And so... I was very upset. And in my head, you know, I'm calling my husband, you have to leave work. We have to go. We have to bring the bags just in case, because I was like, are they going to make me have my baby? And she's like, I don't know what they're going to do. You might have to. And I was like, Oh my God, am I going to have to have a C-section? For me, that was like worst case scenario uh-huh. with your first baby. Cause you, you know, I just didn't, I just did not want to have that. And so in my head, I just kind of had to surrender the idea of the natural birth and, we just had to plan to, well, if we have the baby today, we have the baby today. Um, but they checked me out and everything was fine and they sent us home. And so that was a big relief, but it was just another one of those little things that was just like, oh my goodness, you know, but everything was fine. And so, uh, I guess, you know, they say you get baby out, how you got baby in. And I definitely didn't want to go over my due date because I had people from my birth class that did go over their due date and then like too, way too much and then had to be induced or go to the hospital. So I was like, well, let's just start trying now and just do all the things just to make sure that we get this baby out. In time. <laughs> and you're excited to meet your baby anyway. Of course. So, so um so we got baby out how we got baby in and it was probably two hours after that that the real contraction started and uh I was surprised that I knew that I because they kept telling me you'll know the difference between Braxton Hicks and the real and I thought how because my Braxton Hicks were pretty sometimes they'd stop me in my tracks and I'd have to like catch my breath they were very strong um but the birth uh contractions were totally different. It was more of like a strong period cramp than like a muscle cramp. So Uh when they started, I was like, okay, yeah, this is, this is for real. And, you know, in the class they told me, let your husband sleep, let him rest. He's going to be tired. Don't wake him up. And so I did not And so I labored through the night because it started at midnight. I labored through the night at the beginning by myself. And then it was time for him to get up for work. And he heard me a couple times make a couple noises and he's like, are you okay? And I was like, I'm in labor. And he was like, oh. <laughs> so then he went to work. Um, he went to work cause we knew it was going to be, you know, several hours and it ended up being 25 hours of labor total. Um, so he went to work for a little over half the day and I just labored at home by myself, I took a shower, took a bath leaned over the counter, just, you know, talk to people on the phone, just tried to do stuff to get my mind off of it. And then about 3 PM, we both heard from the Lord at the exact same time. And they was like, you need to go home to your wife. And so he came home and my contractions had really started speeding up and they were so hard to time. I hate that they have the rule on timing them because for me and for others, I know they're not, even predictable at all. They're not that consistent, you know, five, three, one, or whatever it's supposed to be. They're just, some of them were really two minutes apart and some of them were way further apart. And so it was really hard to time them. And that contraction, that app, I don't know if I had the wrong app, but it was not working for me.
0: (laughs) But Sometimes uh, it's almost like more annoying to try to time them instead of just like being like, okay, like these are definitely more intense. Here's
1: the deal, And I kind of feel like, I don't know, midwives trust your body so much that like, they're just sort of nonchalant. I remember calling them and telling them, and they're like, eh, call us in a few hours. And I was just like, they're not taking me seriously. Exactly. <laughs> and, uh, so when my husband came home, we went, we tried to go for a walk, but like I said, we were on the third floor. So we went down the stairs and then we got you know, several feet or whatever, not very far. And I was like, this is too much. Like I can't like the contractions is too much. We need to go upstairs and call the doula. And so I wish I'd called her sooner, but I was just trying to be strong and trying not to put anybody out. So, you know, know, it's your first birth. You don't really know how it's going to be. You know, by the time she got there, she was like, you're really in labor. Like You don't have to wait for the midwives to say it's okay to come. You can just go. And I was like, are you sure? And she's like, you just tell them we're coming and we need to go now, like right now. I was like, okay. And I wish that I could have given birth at home because I feel awful for the women in the hospital that lay in the bed. That is the most uncomfortable, painful position because I laid in the car and it's only by the grace of God that we could even make the 30 minute drive because no. I just tried to close my eyes and like tune out because it was not fun in the car. It was not fun to get down those stairs and get in the car. And then by the time we got there, and there's stairs at the birth center too. And <laughs> we got there and they checked me. I was already like seven, eight centimeters dilated. And I was just like, I was asking them on the phone. I'm like, can you please run the tub, run the tub, get the tub filled, please. And they didn't start running the tub yet. I think they just got there. And so I was laying in the bed at the birth center and I was like, please, how much longer until the tub's filled up? I just want to get in eat the water. water. And it was a big tub. So it took a long time to fill up, but finally, but when the doula started doing the hip squeezes, those are golden. Those are amazing. I recommend everybody get a doula strictly, even just for those, because <laughs> maybe your husband might know how to do, you know, hip squeezes, but the doula has practice and they have those muscles developed for that. <laughs> yep. I wish I'd called her sooner because those make the contractions totally tolerable and bearable, in my opinion. Um so she did those till we got in the tub and then I guess I don't know when I got finally I guess we got in the bird center around seven, eight PM and it feels like it was like almost ten before I could get in the tub or something. I don't know. And um and the tub wasn't very comfortable for me because I'm a, a pretty short girl and it was so big I couldn't get any traction to like hold myself up out of the water. And I didn't really want my husband to get in. I was kind of just, you know, for me, it was like, I'm very focused. Don't talk. Nobody touch me. I'm just doing thing. Just like, give me water and leave me alone, please. And, um, so it, it was not very comfortable in the tub. The water made me feel better, but the size of the tub was uncomfortable. And then, you know, we kept switching positions and they'd say, uh, You know, nobody can tell you how long, how much longer or when your baby's going to get there. And they'd be like, okay, well, why don't you try flipping onto all fours? And then they'd be like, that's how my baby came out when I got onto all fours. So try all fours. So then I'd labor like that in the tub for a while. And then they'd be like, okay, well maybe try squatting. Yeah. That's how the other ladies like, that's how my baby came out. We did squatting, squatting. And I'm like, in my head, I'm just thinking y'all are all lying to me. (laughs) This Baby's taking
0: forever. Right. (laughs) I feel like everybody that hits that point, that's all I ever hear is like, you're lying to me. This baby's not coming. You are lying. Like, I
1: promise. Yeah. And then we knew when I hit transition because I was just, I didn't say, take me to the hospital or give me medicine. I just said, I don't know how much longer I can do this. And everybody was like, yep, that's transition. And then that's when the pushing started and uh, pushing the pushing stage lasted about two hours for me. And they got these handles that um, stuck onto the side of the tub. So that was helpful for squatting. And then I finally felt the, I started, I was like, I need some encouragement. So I started feeling around down there and I could feel the bag of waters because it hadn't um, bursted yet. I didn't know because I was in the tub. So it felt like a little water balloon coming out and then when I moved that aside, then I could feel the baby's head. <laughs> You've been so good this whole time. that wow. has been
0: awesome. Holy cow. No. I know. You just want to do something else. <laughs> um, so
1: I guess I could try to walk to in, in the stroller and finish it um and then uh my husband wasn't going to catch him just because we didn't know if the umbilical cord was going to be around the neck and we wanted the do du- or the midwife to be able to to remove that safely and everything and so uh but when I started feeling his head come out I asked my husband like you know do you want to feel it or whatever and I just didn't even wait for his response I just grabbed his hand and put it in the <laughs> And so that he could be the first to touch his son you know and he was like wide-eyed looking at me like oh my god like in shock and you know feeling all the things and like wow this person really, really is resulting in a baby you know exactly and, um so after a while of pushing then finally uh the the bag of waters, I guess, broke as he was coming out because he had the, a veil birth where the bag of waters was over his head, which was really special uh, to me. And also I was thankful for because I was, uh, I was GBS positive and mm-hmm. I declined um, antibiotics. And so uh, I felt, I just felt like that was just an extra little bit of protection that the veil was over him as he came out. So um But, and he came out all in one push, which I was also thankful for, because I know sometimes you birth the head and then you have to wait and push a couple more times to get the rest of the baby out. But thankfully he came out, uh, when his head, he just came out all in one thing and he was fine and perfect. And I got the exact birth that I wanted. There was no intervention. There was no problems at all. And, um, but after I had him, I had so much blood and so much, so many blood clots come out, which we kind of knew might happen because when they checked me, I had had that issue. I mean, they were like, there was like more than we could count. Um, And I had to help them get some of them out of the tub because they wouldn't go down the drain. So I'm not really sure what caused that or what the issue was, but everything was fine and I was fine and healthy baby. And then we i held him on my chest until 17 minutes later i birthed the placenta and then they gave him to dad and dad went out and did skin to skin time while they got, got, got me, me. Yeah. yes Dad. we're talking about dada dad. uh-huh. well we got me hosed off and cleaned off and cleaned up and um then they were saying that uh Micah was trying to latch onto his dad's nipples because he was hungry so they were <laughs> Mama, you got to get out there. Your baby's hungry. So I went out there to see my baby again, and he latched perfectly, and he didn't have any ties or anything. So breastfeeding went well right off the bat. And um, yes, we are talking about that. And um, the only complication that I had is that one of the checks for them to release you to go home is that you have to be able to urinate. And my urethra was so swollen from the pushing, I could not pee. Like, I just could not pee. It was awful. And I had to pee so bad. And then um, also I had an internal tear and they had asked me, they said, you can get stitched or you cannot get stitched. You'll heal either way. And I just, after everything, I was like, I don't want anybody to touch me. If it's going to heal anything, then just let it be. And Then when I couldn't pee, they were like, well, you have to pee to go home. And I wanted to go home and I tried and I tried and I tried and I missed out on so much time with my baby because I was sitting on the toilet and they were like, well, we can catheter you. And I I just, it's so silly that I didn't want to be cathetered after having a natural birth. You know, it's like, I've already been through so much, but I just was like, they're like, it's not that bad. So let them catheter me. It wasn't that bad. I wish I could have taken that thing home. Because, for real, because it was like at least a week, I still had problems trying to urinate. Nobody tells you about that, really. And that was one of the worst things. Um, I also ended up getting mastitis uh, in the first week. I'm an overproducer. And so breastfeeding as far as him and his latch and everything was great. But uh, I did end up getting mastitis and... Didn't want to take oh, the antibiotics. You talking about that? Uh, I did not want to take them, but my fever got up to 104 and I had tried all the natural. Somebody's hungry. My booby baby's hungry. <laughs> um, so I'm trying. Sorry if I'm talking fast. I'm trying. Oh, no,
0: you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> I know. He's like, mama, I need the milk. You're totally fine.
1: Before we Before we came on here. Um, <laughs> but as you see, he's the big boy. (laughs) He's so sweet. So my feet, I tried all the natural things to not have the mastitis and I ended up having to take the antibiotics, but that was really only the, (gasps) okay, we're going to go. That was really the only complication other than the, um, postpartum anxiety
0: that I ended up having. Did you, did the antibiotics clear it up pretty quickly?
1: Yes, and the Tylenol broke my fever, which I normally don't take that either, um, so it I was fine after I started taking that stuff, and I felt so much better. Gotcha. Awesome.
0: Want to go into your postpartum anxiety a little bit?
1: Yes, definitely, um, and I don't know if it was some depression, too, or not. Honestly, more, more just the anxiety and also a little bit of the rage that comes along with it, which I was never really an angry person. So whenever I would experience some of that like anger, I, it was just so new to me. I was very shocked and a lot of people were like, well, you know, it's just the hormone and sometimes that happens. Um, but yeah, definitely so much anxiety, just constantly very worried that, I didn't want people touching my baby. I didn't want people kissing my baby. I didn't, like, every time anybody was going to come visit, I was always asking, and especially because it was, you know, uh, around RSV season when he was born, and just, like, you know, making sure everybody thoroughly washes their hands and sanitizes, and I was just so scared that something was going to happen, that he was going to get sick, or that somebody was going to drop him, or just so many intrusive thoughts when we were going up or down the stairs, you know, like worst-case scenario that you're going to trip and fall on your baby, or that, you know, just constantly, and it was very exhausting. And honest, for the first four months postpartum, the anxiety was very, very severe. Um, I don't know what changed around four months, but then I still struggle with um, some anxiety, but it's way more manageable and tolerable now something at that four-month mark broke and it was better because before that there was a period and this was pre-pandemic there was a period that i didn't even walk out of my apartment door out of the house for an entire three weeks and i didn't even realize that it had been three weeks like we didn't even go outside like i literally did not even leave the house at all and the only times i was leaving the house was when I'd have to take him to his PD for like a, the two month checkup and the four month checkup and stuff like that. And I would start getting like panic attacks and like crying just at the thought of having to get out and go somewhere. It was really bad.
0: So what are some things that kind of now, I know you said you still struggle with it a little bit. So what are some things now that you do to kind of try and ease that a little bit? Well, once the weather
1: got better because, you know, he was born at the end of October. So then we live in Texas, but it, it did start to get a little bit uh, warmer out rather than it being so cold. And I didn't have a stroller at first, so I would just wear him for the walks. But then a friend gifted us a stroller. And so really at his four month um, appointment, I was just such a mess. I was crying in the doctor's office and I was so embarrassed and I couldn't get myself together. and. You know, they gave me some resources for counseling or whatever, and he did tell me some supplements that I could change. So I changed up my supplements, and um, then I just realized, you know, really nobody's gonna make it better for me, and I'm not the type of person that wanted to get on any kind of uh, like medication. That's not a natural supplement, and so I just I made a list of things that made me feel better and that I would do. So I started, you know trying to do a little bit of stretching every day to move my body. We started going on daily walks. We do probably two walks a day, just, you know, getting outside. Mm -hmm. And then I started telling myself, like, you need to make plans at least once a week to get out and go visit a friend or have a friend come over, just stop isolating yourself and socialize a little bit, you know, have a play date with another mom and a baby or something like that. So, um, and start trying to eat a little bit better because it's hard to cook when you have a little baby. It's hard to cook stuff too. And so I definitely started eating healthier, changed my supplements, started going for walks, get out in the sunshine, socialize with people. Just my advice to moms would be make a list of things that make you feel good, that work for you, and then try to do at least one of those things every day if it's you know take an uninterrupted shower wash your hair like it's a shame that self-care is promoted to moms as like a bonus thing you get to do when regular people get to do that all the time and don't even think about it but you just don't have much time for yourself so I wouldn't necessarily say so many people would suggest to me like you just need to have some me time away from the baby and that'll make you feel better. And I'm like, that will not make me feel better. <laughs> For me, that's not what I wanted. I didn't uh-huh. want to break from my baby. I want to break from the housework and the cooking and the cleaning. That's what I want to break from.
0: Yep, exactly. Yeah. Well, was there anything else that you wanted to talk about? I think that's it. I just
1: really suggest, um, to moms and moms to be, I always encourage them to do their own research, to know that there's other options than a regular hospital medicated birth and that you can have the kind of birth that you want. I just think it's important for them to be educated and choose for themselves what they think is going to be best for them and for their family. And I also recommend a doula with whatever kind of birth uh, that you're going to have. They can advocate for you and they can just make your birthing experience so much more enjoyable and pleasant. So I just I just wish that moms would just research so that they can make an informed decision and give consent for things that happen to them rather than the birth happening to them. They have control over how it goes.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on and being willing to tell your story about your ectopic pregnancy and your little rainbow babe. So I appreciate you being open and especially about postpartum anxiety. I feel like that's not talked up about enough. Um, so I really appreciate you sharing your story. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you for yeah. sharing my story. Yep. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. For more information on today's podcast, to find my online birth courses, virtual and local services, or to support an episode, please go to www.talkbirthytomepodcast.com or follow me on any social media outlet at talkbirthy.podcast. To join our community, go to atmodern.mama.society. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, please rate and subscribe wherever you listen. And thank you for all the support. It means the world to me to have you here with me.